1: Welcome to the debut of the No Relation NFL Podcast with Matt and Bill Williamson. Matt, how are you doing? Thanks for doing this. It's going to be a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty excited about it, man. I mean, it's great to have a, a podcast voice talking NFL with you, you know, cross-country. I'm in here in Pittsburgh. You're on the other, side of the other side of the country with some different perspectives on different teams. And we're going dig to dig into everything, I hope, you know, at least once a week going forward. And it should
1: be a blast. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be you know all NFL. All, we'll get to all thirty-two at some point, and it's going to uh, you know just going to talk about the daily happenings and, and, and weekly happenings at this point, and just the things we think about, and, and really a wide open format. And uh, I'm excited because you know me and Matt worked together for eight years at the uh, at a place that you know rhymes with, Destin, uh, and uh, <laughs> so we had a lot of fun there. And you know I got to tell you, Matt. I really enjoyed working with you because, what, there's about, what, 1,900 NFL players about, right, in programs? Right, right, right. And, you know, I could ask you about 1,700, 1,800 of those guys, and you'd give me a full scouting report uh, on those guys. So, I mean, you know, Matt, he worked for the Browns. This guy, I think you're you're top-notch, and, you know, people in your business, media, and former scouts, I think you're top of the line, so I'm, I'm thrilled to have you on this podcast. I'm thrilled to have you at FanRex Sports and today's pigskin, so it's going to be exciting.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And
1: for those that don't know, you know, I mean, I was the host
0: of the Football Today podcast. It's not our first podcast together. I was the host of the Football Today podcast at ESPN, you know, on and off for ten years. And over that stretch, you know, you were, when I met you, you were the AFC West reporter. At that point, they had, we had broken up those, they called you guys the bloggers at that point,
1: mm-hmm. and everybody
0: had a division. And then they, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, and then you became the Raiders reporter, in which is your specialty. I mean, that's the team you know the best. And we would often have you on the show as a guest. You know, we were the hosts, and it was either Ross Tucker or. Um, row or whoever, and we'd have you on, and we would ask you specific questions about, you know, that division or your team. And now, you know, where I kind of have the national perspective. So you have much more of a reporting background than I do. I've never done any sort of reporting. I don't interview coaches or players or have never done any of that stuff or, you know, daily blogging. You've done a lot more of that stuff of being on top of things where I have more of a national view of the league.
1: Yes, yeah, so I, I think it's really going to work out. And, you know, uh, enough of uh, a chowder and uh, our, our uh, Mark and Chowder Association here for each other. Let's get on to the show. Um, you know, the big news last week with the franchise. Before pack, we get on I, the show,
0: Bill, though, I think we should probably mention we're not related. Answer. No. That's the name. <laughs> We're not I, twins. I We're that, not related. You know, every
1: week, this guy's so lazy, all he's doing is getting his cousin to do his work for him. So, uh, yeah. Do you remember so, this? I wanted to bring this up. Happen- a, 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 a relative stranger is
0: doing my work for me. So there you go. <laughs> do, do you happen to remember this? So this was like six or seven years ago, and I wrote an unflattering article about a certain team's linebackers, and the linebacker coach yes, called you up. Called you every name in the book, and it was my article. And then he finally got in touch with me and called me every name in the book plus ten. But yeah, you probably took some heat, and I probably took some heat for some of the stuff you wrote over the years.
1: Yeah, he called me out of the blue. It wasn't the division I was covering at all. And uh, I got to him, and I, I had covered him in another city. Yelled at me, and then I said, "You know what? Wrong guy." He goes, "Oh yeah, <laughs> that's not the, even the, me." Did you got back his number. I don't want to talk to him. So I said, I called man, said, "Hey, duck, it's coming." He's coming, and he came hard.
0: But I get it on Twitter, yeah. too. Sometimes I'll be like, you yeah, know, I mean, vice versa, or, you know, we, we get uh, called out for each other's work.
1: My favorite, actually, was uh, I was on vacation, and you did a thing on, I think it was the Raiders, and I got an a email by a reader that said, the, the best thing I ever wrote. I, said, I do remember that. I was on vacation. Yeah,
0: that was one of the things I did there, too, was, when you bloggers would be gone, you can't just stop putting things up on the AFC West page or whatever. So they'd be like, "Hey, right. Matt, you know enough about these things? Give us a fresh view." And I do remember that that this whatever it was, it was, a you know 600 word article or something on the Raiders. And yeah. boy, that's the best thing you've ever done, Bill.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I use that in my uh, portfolio, so I, I appreciate that. First thing <laughs> I, I say, uh, folks, hey, I can see I can do this. But uh, anyway. Let's talk about uh, last week's uh, franchise tech deadline. Um, You know, obviously the big name was Vaughn Miller. That didn't surprise me that it got done because, you know, these type of deals, these superstar players, those deals get done no matter what kind of acrimony or, you know, fake acrimony there may be in the months leading up. I mean, were you surprised at all that Miller got done? No,
0: I don't think we need to spend a lot of time on it. I mean, he's almost like a a franchise quarterback, I mean, a J.J. Watt. Those guys just don't change teams in this league. I mean, that's what the franchise tag was designed for, you know, that – to right. not allow a Von Miller to hit the open market. And, you know, obviously he made a very nice buck, you know, to, of guaranteed money, and he's not going anywhere for a long time. He's on a Hall of Fame pace. I mean, he's a great player. You can make the argument that he's maybe the second or third best defensive player in football right now, was the number one reason, you know, in terms of what player was the most important to the Broncos for their Super Bowl run, proved himself, and he's in the prime of his career. So that's who
1: you pay. Well, certainly, you know, that's interesting. Second or third best defensive player in the NFL. If he's third, who's one and two? And Watt is, is one of those guys, but who would be above Miller in your estimation? The only one I would consider is Aaron
0: Donald. I just think he's played okay. that well since he's come in the league. Um, J.J., to me, is clearly number one. And was, I know that's not who we're talking about, but I think Watt is on a pace to be the best defensive player that's ever played this game, you know, and that's including Butkus and Lawrence Taylor and all the great ones. And if, if Watt can keep it up, I think he'll be the best we've ever seen. Um, then it's a discussion after him. And, and certainly, I could make the argument for Vaughn Miller. I don't think I would put any any defensive back in there. With all respect to Earl Thomas and Patrick Peterson and those guys, I think Luke Kuechly's in the conversation. Um, but what he does isn't as hard to do as what Miller does or Donald as an interior pass rusher. But they're the top guys, and he's right there in the conversation without doubt. And actually, your guy Khalil Mack isn't all that far off yet right now either.
1: Yeah, he, I'm sure he, Yeah, he's coming, and, and Miller's the guy that he compares to. But the thing that sticks out about Miller is that he's so clutch. And Against New England in the championship game, and then, of course, in the Super Bowl against the Panthers, he was the best player on the field. He was the guy who made the plays. He he dominated both those games. He he was unbelievable in those two games, and that's what you need to see to, to call a guy enough of a special guy. I know Cutlash Michael Irvin said, "Hey, J.J. Watt, I, I can't look at him as a great player because he hasn't won a Super Bowl." Well, that was kind of ridiculous. But to win the Super Bowl or even get there, and Bob Miller isn't so, so. I think I think it's. Watt and, and Miller at one and no apologies to Donald. I mean, he's a great, great player at
0: three. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And hey, let's get on to some of these other franchise guys. I mean, there, there's a little more discussion around some of them. Miller's about as much of a no brainer as you can get.
1: Yeah, well, well workers, And I, I think that caught everybody by surprise. That was actually announced after the deadline, and, and nobody was even thinking that was a possibility when that, you know, when that thing broke about a half hour after the, after the deadline, did that catch you by surprise? I mean, it certainly did. It, it did. It did because,
0: you know, they because of who else they have. I mean, I know they lost Harrison, but they're loaded with defensive linemen. And after they took Leonard Williams, after Leonard Williams fell to them in the draft last year, I figured it was a foregone conclusion that Wilkerson would probably end up leaving just because you can't have – that much invested in your defensive line because you're going to suffer elsewhere. But I've been saying all along, I mean, I would have rather signed Wilkerson than Fitzpatrick. You know, I think Wilkerson's way better at what he does. And obviously quarterbacks would demand big money. But, you know, finding defensive linemen as versatile and as disruptive as him is not easy to find. I think the Jets played this really well. And, of course, that brings you to what's the next shoe to drop. And from what I understand – this Wilkerson deal opened up some money for now that maybe they can now give Fitzpatrick a little bit more, bring him back on a one year deal or a two year deal. And, you know, there's sort of a yin and yang effect here. I mean, there's going to be a cause and effect of what happens next. And I think for sure Fitzpatrick will end up in New York. But I think the Jets handled that really well because I don't think he's a very good player, but he is certainly the option that gives them the best chance to win right now. You can't overpay him. And if you can get him on a one-year deal, that's ideal.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think if it's not the Jets, where is it going to be? I mean, who's going to want him at this point to be the starter? And I think that probably does happen in the next week or so, and both sides are going to have to swallow some pride. But, I mean, there's no real other answer for this to play out, is there?
0: No, unless, unless it gets to the point where we start seeing preseason games and somebody goes down. You know, I mean, then all of a sudden there could be options, or Flacco doesn't return to form, or, you know, some, something happens between now and opening day where somebody's scrambling for a quarterback. But as it's now, with, with nobody falling, the Jets are really his only option.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, you make a great point. And if it gets to that, if, if, he, if, if, if the Cypress doesn't care about the Jets enough to go into to training camp and say, okay, I'm going to miss all this camp time. I'm going to take my chances on somebody getting hurt. I'd rather be anywhere else than but the Jets. That thing must be pretty ugly, and I, and I don't know if they're at that point, but that'd be a bit of a gamble for him, because yeah, I mean, yeah, happen, and it would shock me if he, to he, he gets victory. to that point.
0: And I think he's smart enough, not because he went to Harvard or whatever, but because, you know, I thought, I, I thought the Chan Gailey offense. Marshall and Decker made him look much better than he really is. And I hope he's smart enough to realize that, that, you know, he's a complimentary piece in that offense. He's not the the, stir, you know, the, the straw that serves a drink.
1: And, and this is the most – he's never been appreciated like he is. And now his receivers love him, maybe because they know their options. is Geno Smith. But, I mean, this is the most you've ever been appreciated, man. You better take advantage of this. You know what I mean? you got to know who you are. Right, and I think he says, "Boy, I threw thirty some
0: touchdowns last year. I won twenty million a year. Well, no, you know, I mean, everyone involved here knows that's not who you are. You better just go back to a good situation. Maybe you sign a one or two year deal, and you make another payday after that. Maybe, but the reality is, he's a low end starter or a great backup. He's not a franchise
1: quarterback." And I love that great backup. Well, that doesn't mean much if if you can't play when you start, you know? Right, right. But, I mean, if if Christian
0: Hackenberg all of a sudden turns into a superstar and Fitzpatrick's your number two on a two-year deal in 2017, you're really sitting pretty. But that's a long way from happening.
1: Right, right. Well, let's get back to the franchise tags that didn't happen. I think two stand out. And the first is Eric Berry. Now, we, we talk about the great players, the deals get done. Eric Berry is certainly a very big piece of of, of a of a playoff team. Um, this the fact that this didn't get done. This doesn't mean he's going into his last season with the Chiefs. I mean, they can figure it out, but still, there is some risk involved for both sides. Did you think a deal would get done? Are, are, are you surprised that he's going to be in you know a little bit of a limbo going into this season?
0: Yeah, it did surprise me a little bit because. Unless uh, for some reason, and this is purely speculation, I mean, if the team doctors are said, hey, we're not quite sure he's over his you know medical situation, which I don't think that's the case. I mean, clearly what he put on the field, he's a healthy, great player, and again, in the prime of his career. My only thoughts are Kansas City this past offseason had a lot of free agents on defense, you know, and they lost a couple guys like Smith, the corner, but they kept their Johnson. They brought back Haley. You know, they they invested a lot this offseason in keeping the defense more or less intact that maybe they just don't have enough to keep it going for right now. But I think he's a key component A highly versatile safety. He's not just a deep coverage guy. He can play a a linebacker type role that we're seeing a lot in the NFL nowadays. And and that's a secondary or a defense, a scheme that likes to have a lot of defensive backs on the field. So his versatility and you know just having an excellent safety goes a long way for them because he's going to play a ton of snaps. They're always going to have a lot of defensive backs on the field. And when it's all said and done, I mean, I I guess they could franchise him again. I mean, that could happen to all these guys. Is There is the option that you could franchise him again. And and of all the ones out there, maybe he's the one that's most likely. And I would really be shocked if he's not a chief
1: next year. Yeah, I mean, he's just one of those guys that you want in your program for his entire career. You know, they drafted him number five. That's a huge commitment. It worked out. He's a terrific off-field guy, terrific you know, character guy in the locker room. They have a good thing going. He's just not a guy you let go. I, I just see. I I see they, them figuring this out at some point.
0: Yeah, I agree. And, and you know, guys like Derek Johnson and Hallie uh, are they're up in age. You know, I mean, so who's going to be the guy that um, you know carries the torch for the next you know five to eight years or whatever once those guys move on? And I would think
1: that's Barry. Right, right. I, I think fascinating one out there uh, as far as franchise tags are. We we don't know the outcome yet. You know the long-term future, Kirk Cousins. I mean, that's kind of a chicken. Both both sides are taking some risk here, aren't they? I mean, and I think he's taking a big risk too. I mean, should he have just taken the money, just signed a deal? Because we don't know how good this guy is. He might, he might just be very limited. See, I think he's very limited. I think he's a lot closer to
0: Fitzpatrick than he is a franchise quarterback, and. And I think they know that. I mean, if you, if you read the tea leaves of how Washington's built, and I think their GM has done a really good job, they, they go hire Gruden from Cincinnati. And w- what does Gruden inherit there? He inherits is a Shanahan, zone-blocking, smaller, athletic offensive line. And immediately they go they, they draft guys like Shreff and Moses and all these bangers, these big, heavy linemen like they had in Cincinnati. You know, they, they, they go give uh, Callahan's one of the best offensive line coaches in the league. They give him big money to be their offensive line coach because they know their quarterbacks are limited. I, I think they look at cousins like Gruden saw Andy Dalton, that we have to surround him with A.J. Greens and Eifert's and Jordan Reed's and Deshaun Jackson's, and they use a first round pick on a receiver again, that if his supporting cast isn't great, then we can't trust this guy to put the team on his shoulders. You know, I mean, he's not that type of quarterback, and I don't think he ever will be. He's not a very great, pa- he's not a very good deep passer. By all accounts, he's a very hard worker. But, you know, the people in his corner are saying, well, Matt, what, what, you know, did you watch the second half of last season? He was phenomenal, and he was very good. His numbers were great, he was throwing to very good receivers. But if you go look at the eight defenses they played against, the Saints and, I mean, some uh, the Bears, it was an extremely easy schedule the second half of last year. And before that, he was on a historic pace for turning the ball over. I mean, worse than Jay Cutler, worse than Brett Favre. I mean, he is a turnover machine. And if you watch the tape of those last eight games, and I did, there was he got away with a lot of passes he shouldn't have. And that happened. To the same thing was true with Fitzpatrick last year where he easily could have thrown eight to ten more interceptions. And then things are a lot different. So I, you know, the skins don't have a whole lot of other options. Um, so I think they played it smart that, okay, keep it up, continue to improve, and then we'll pay you. But in the end, I think he's an Alex Smith, but an Alex Smith that turns the ball over. And that's not going to
1: work. Right. Well, the only reason Alex Smith does work is he doesn't turn the ball over. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, I think it's just like, okay, we solved the RG3 solution by getting him out of here and getting a replacement, and then just kind of celebrated that fact without really looking at the rest of the story. I mean, you know what I mean? Okay, we're done with him, When we got this guy. I don't think they decided this guy's probably not the answer either. They're just happy to get rid of Griffin.
0: Yeah, and I think it's very true with Redskins fans, too, that... I think the thing that they – if they really looked in the mirror, the thing they like the most about Kirk Cousins is he's not RG3. Right. <laughs>
1: okay. How do you think that's going to work out in Cleveland with him? I mean, you know, Hugh Jackson has a really nice resume with quarterbacks. Um, is there any chance this works?
0: It could. I mean, I still think he's extremely far away. That He has some terrible habits. He never was an accomplished pocket passer. Um, You know, there's work ethic questions. I I trust Hugh Jackson, if anyone can, you know, to to reform him. Uh, I think the Browns were smart that, you know, it's worth the risk. They have very little tied up in the guy. Give him a year. There isn't another big-name rookie quarterback in the house, so he can be Hugh Jackson's pet project for this season. Maybe they hit gold on him, but I bet they don't.
1: Yeah. So it's really amazing what he did in that rookie year in 2012 because, I mean, he was an effective, exciting quarterback, and everybody thought he was the future, and there were some people going, hey, man, the coach may have screwed this up and took the wrong guy at number one. That's all true.
0: However, if you look at it, it was a little bit of smoke and mirrors, and it was a lot of great coaching by Shanahan. You know, everything was – no one had seen zone read before. You know, defensive coordinators weren't prepared for that. And at that point, he was an elite runner. I mean, he was a, a, a world-class hurdler, and he's not that type of runner anymore. A lot of his passes were wide-open stuff off of play action. And people figured him out, you know. And, and I think Shanahan knew that, that, hey, we'll, we'll do this gimmicky stuff his rookie year, but we have to
1: turn him into a pocket passer, and it just never happened. An injury. Well, you know, hurt, it's so. funny because Shanahan's looked at kind of as the villain in the, in the RG3 story. You know, he's the guy that kind of that kind of ruined him. But you're saying he may have been the one that given him some life in the first place.
0: Exactly. Uh, I, I think that's very much true. And um, I, I think Shanahan didn't have a lot of tolerance for uh, a lack of work ethic. I, I think that Shanahan put him on the map and made him, you know, an ideal scheme for what Griffin was as a rookie, but knew in the big picture that this is smoke and mirrors, that this can't be – a sustainable offense. We need to turn him into more of a pocket passer, more of a reader of defenses. And,
1: uh, you know, Griffin didn't want to change. You know, I was around Mike Shanahan for four years, and I know two things about him. He loves franchise-type quarterbacks because, he he, you know, he had Young, he had Elway. He knows the value of those guys, and he can't stand guys not being prepared. He needs guys. To you know, to put 110 in, and um, you know, a, a great story when the Broncos went to the championship game. You know, they they went 13 and three. They hosted the AFC championship game. They lost to Pittsburgh. Really good season. Well, the next year they trade up to get Jay Cutler. And a great story at the Pro Bowl. Uh, he's spending time with Peyton Manning. Shanahan is, and they're golfing and they're hanging out and all he's seen is this guy talking about football the whole time, and it's the Pro Bowl. And he's, and, and, and this is Peyton Manning in his prime, and he said, I, I don't want to do it with Jake uh, Plummer anymore. You know, he got me to the championship game, but he couldn't get me past it. I need to get a franchise guy, and that's why they traded up and, and got Cutler. And Cutler and, and uh, Shanahan had a really nice first two years together. You know, yeah, Shanahan yeah. gets fired – it, after 2008 season, because they they had the collapse, but Cutler made the Pro Bowl, a, a legit Pro Bowl in his second year, and it would have been pretty fascinating to see what those guys could have gone done together had they had more time together. And, and you know, I think it hurt both of their careers not working together at that time. Yeah, I think that's a
0: great point, a good story about all that too, and that you know, you, you immediately think about Plummer and. I think Plummer had a lot of – You know, wait a minute, and I do, but I mean I'm sure he had a lot of other off-the-field interests. You know, football wasn't super-duper. He certainly wasn't Peyton Manning in the in the quarterback
1: meeting room. Yeah, and I don't think he faked, tried to, to fake it that he was. He, Jake was an yeah. interesting guy, a cool guy, had, like I said, had interest. I don't know if you want your quarterback to have interest. I don't think Peyton Manning has a lot of interest. In fact, I, you know, you, you hear the stories that he doesn't. He's all football. And, hey, and, and that's kind of what it takes at that position if you're going to be super,
0: you know, uber elite.
1: Uh, hey, so let's go move on to a little bit uh, more uh, transaction news. Yesterday, Arian Foster gets a deal with Miami. What, what are your thoughts? Can, does he have anything left? Is he going to help him, uh, Miami? Uh, my, my, first, my first inclination would be no. But, I mean, you're the
0: scout. What do you think? Yeah, this move makes sense to me, though. You know, I mean, there's been a lot of change in Miami. Their, their top two backs are a rookie, Drake, and a second-year guy, Ajayi. And I, I like Jay Ajayi. I, I think he's got a chance to be really good, but he turned to be he's a fifth-round pick because he has a degenerate knee condition. You know, so how, how long is he going to be, you know, in top form? The last we saw, Arian Foster... I didn't think he was a very good runner. You know, last year when he finally was healthy, he's had a multitude of lower body injuries. Now he's coming off an Achilles. He was never the most explosive guy to begin with. He's more of a glider, he's more of a vision based guy, smart decision maker with the ball in his hands. And Adam Gates runs a lot of inside zone, and Foster's very much a zone runner. So at a minimum, I think he'll be a positive influence of teaching the two young guys, you know, about the scheme and how you succeed in this league. And more importantly, though, is he's still a good receiver. You know, I mean, remember Matt Forte caught a ton of passes last year with Gase. Gase wants to throw the ball to running backs a lot. And um, Foster's still very accomplished in that regard. And, and there's people out there probably saying, well, isn't that why they drafted Drake? You know, Drake's the super speedy, smaller back. Yeah, and I think someday that'll be his job. But I knew people that were at the Senior Bowl that said, I've never seen anyone pass block as bad as Drake ever. So uh, he may okay. be a long way away. Wow. Not to mention, remember, Miami put an offer out to C.J. Anderson. I mean, so they kn- they knew from day one that they couldn't
1: live with just Ajayi and Drake. Right, right. So you're thinking maybe they get by. If he can stay healthy, maybe they can get by this year with him and then maybe try to figure it out with somebody else next year.
0: Yeah, or, or, you know, I mean, get half a season with him and Ajayi splitting carries out of him, you know, use them up and use a second-round pick on a running back next year or Drake's ready at that point or, you know, while these guys gain some experience.
1: I, thought he, he, I saw an interesting tweet by you late last week. It was kind of a random July tweet about the San Diego Chargers, how you think they're going to be improved this year. Kind um, of explain that. Why do you they a team that you think could be on the rise? Yeah, I do. I mean, they have a difficult schedule, and as you know,
0: they have a very difficult division. But I don't think they're a 4-12 and type of team. I, I think, I've said this for a couple years now, that I think Phillip Rivers is amongst the most underrated players of this generation. You know, I, I think he's a borderline Hall of Famer. I mean, I don't think he's all that far off the Breezes and burgers of the world. I mean, I'd rather have him than Eli Manning. I mean, I'm talking about their careers. And I still think mm-hmm. he's great. Um, uh, they've had so many offensive line injuries, and that's been a massive problem for them. But, you know, they went out and they got Slauson. They drafted Turek in the, the third round. You have to think that the, that the offensive line is going to be healthier. It's deeper now. They have a real short, rhythmic uh, passing game that fits Rivers really well and a big, heavy offensive line. They don't ask those guys a pass block long. Keenan Allen returns. He was a star for them. For a oh, numbers are unbelievable when he got here, um, nice. I don't trust Gordon. I don't trust the running game. That's a concern for me, though. But I, th- I thought they had some nice additions in free agency on all sides of the ball. Uh, I, I mean, Mebane—they they stopped the run very poorly last year. I think Bosa is going to be a major factor against the run and the pass. Maybe a defensive rookie of the year candidate. Mm-hmm. A guy like a the offense or the outside linebacker. I think he's ready to step up. Uh, I think Perryman, the inside linebacker, is going to be a star. Verrett's one of the best corners in the league. They lost Weddle, but I don't think that's a major loss. He was getting up in age and didn't have a great career or a great season last year. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, and then they got Hayward too, the corner from Green Bay. So uh, I thought they added a lot, and they also have a handful of guys ready to take the next step that are younger. You
1: know, the thing that that. I strikes me every year about the Chargers. And a lot of people thought it was just kind of the curse of of, of Norv Turner, but they lose more close games, painful games, than any other team in the league. I mean, just look over the years. There's so many gut-wrenching losses, and they also get so injured. I mean, this is a team that was a couple years ago on their fifth long snap. How the hell is that? Right, Right. You know what I mean? And, and I think two years ago they went through six centers. Late in the season, they're on their like their ninth and tenth offensive lineman, and, and and just you know they're due for a lot of luck. They're due for a lot of good health, and they're due for you know the ball bouncing their way in some of these close games. And uh, I don't, I, I think they got some good things going for them as well. And and back to Philip Rivers, I'm a huge Philip Rivers fan. I think if you look at his numbers, I would like to have seen him win more games, but. There, there's going to be some a tough Hall of Fame decision to be made, Matt. Last night I did a uh, kind of an exercise and I did top 25 Oakland Raiders, and you know I, I watched stood out to me in the exercise. One is that you can actually do a top 25 Oakland Raiders now, <laughs> and with, you know what I mean. Cause I mean, two three years ago, there was six or seven NFL quality guys on the field for them, and and it was
0: Leckler and it was Janikowski,
1: right. Exactly. And you know, and one was, you know, thirty seven year old Charles Woodson. Right. So there is there was nothing there. This exercise showed me they have certainly drafted well in the last few years. Last two particular. And they've signed really qual- they're starting to sign the last two years some smart free agent signings too. It's it's a legitimate NFL roster. Um, and and it might be, if you look at their top 20, it might be a top third NFL roster. It, I mean, what are your thoughts?
0: Yeah, and you're closer to the Raiders than I am. I mean, but my impression from day one of when they hired McKenzie, Reggie McKenzie, the general manager, if you remember, his history is he came from the Packers. So he wants to build through the draft. I mean, he wants to do things the Packer way, but when he got to Oakland, they had nine bazillion million dollars of cap space that they had to use. You know, I mean, so that first year he kind of signed a lot of one year deals. None of them really worked out. And then he started to really build through the draft. They got a quarterback, they became a more attractive place to play. You know, at one point I thought that. Oakland was kind of like my Pirates in the 80s, where you had to overpay people to even come to town. Nobody wanted to play for them. And I think the Browns oh, that was are certainly the truth. That now. was until about this year.
1: Yeah. I had agents tell me, the they They're going to have win. to pay a lot but, yeah, more yeah, to get, get my guy.
0: So, you know, and not to mention you're going to pay me well. You've got all this money to spend. But I, I think I, I'm curious, and we can get into predictions later, but I'm strongly considering picking them to win the West. And, and I'm always hesitant to teams like them or. Jacksonville that brought in so many new parts because, you know, how well is that going to gel? Are they look better on paper than they are in reality? But I'm a believer, and I really think McKenzie did a, has done a great job. Uh, the defense, I'm not big on the second-level linebackers, the true inside linebackers type, but I'd really Ooh. like the rest of the front seven. I think the secondary is now pretty formidable. They have two good safeties. I think they're going to play a lot more Seattle-like defense and you know Joseph's going to be their chancellor Nelson's going to be their thomas they have two long um you know you know physical corners with really good size and like the Richard Sherman mold they got a wave of pass rushers you know what if Alden Smith comes back and there's a guy he's capable of being and we already mentioned Mac i think they have the second best offensive line in the league i'm a car believer i think Amari Mari Cooper's a stud i think Walford's ready to be a breakout player um, I am not a Latavis Murray fan. Uh, that's one thing that shocked me. I, I like the, you know, DeAndre Washington, who they, they, they brought in, but it kind of shocks me that they didn't use a high pick or uh, a big-money guy at running back. But it wouldn't shock me if next year, which is supposed to be like the best running back class in the last 10 or 20 years, that the Raiders use a first-round pick on Leonard Fournette or Nick Chubb, you know, one of these stud running backs, and really completes their team.
1: They, you know what, they may, they may have the luxury of doing that. Right, because they don't really know. I mean, yeah. Say they draft 22 ish, and, you know, those running backs may fall, and they don't have a lot, a whole lot of holes. They're going to have cap room again. Um, yeah, they they might be able to get that stud running back. You know, I'm, I think Murray uh, is, is a try hard guy, and he fits in with the rest of the game. And this is a real great lock, uh, clubhouse. Locker room team, they, they you know they, they get along well and they're all they're they're all good guys and and Murray's part of that. But if you look at the way last year ended for him, he didn't have a lot of dominant games there, and um, so I don't know if he is a true you know bell cow back. I I, I really don't. I think I think I think they need to upgrade there at some point.
0: Yeah, and and my worry is. The average fan's going to watch a great offensive line opening holes for him, and we, you know, and when he has space to run, I mean, he can take to the house. He's big, he looks the part, but I don't think he makes people miss very well. I don't think he's got great, great pad level, and I think he's extremely ordinary as a receiver.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, and I, I think there's some confidence issues. When, when, when he doesn't go well, it takes him a while to get back going and. Okay. He, he, you know, he was benched in the fourth quarter of a couple games last year. He gets down on himself, so he he needs to uh, he needs to improve that a little bit. Um, but there's not a lot of glaring holes on this team. There's no. really not. And you know, I think it was six of my first seven players were were offensive players. This this has a chance to be pretty pretty dynamic offense, and it was dynamic at times last year. Um, you know, if there's a knock on on this team on this offense. Coming into this year from last year, it would be that you know some guys had slumps towards the end. If you look at Carr's numbers, he was better in the first half. Uh, Crabtree, uh, we talked about Murray. Um, I don't Cooper think Cooper was up and Murray. down he at times. He mostly up, as as but Mark you know he doing. had his, his moments of drop balls and, and and disappearing a little bit. And that's just all youth. I, I think you know right. we were talking about most of these guys, and they're under 25 years old. That's, I mean that's the great thing about the Raiders' future is that their top three guys, Matt Carr and and Cooper are all you know all got are just entering their prime, you know I mean Cooper's just entering his second season, so the future's bright for this team.
0: Yeah, like you said, I mean a couple good draft classes for sure.
1: I mean even guys
0: like Gabe Jackson is coming from that class and Walford and you know there's people that are going to get better and a lot of the free agents they brought in. Even Bruce Irvin and Hudson, Osemele, none of them are 32 and on their last legs. You know, I mean, they're a pretty young team. Nelson's not particularly young, but, you know, he's going to quarterback that defense. And, you know, Sean Smith's a good player that's still in his prime. Yeah, I think they really are built well. Uh, I'm just curious. I didn't read your article. I'm curious who your top couple are when you rank the, the Raiders. I would think Mack is clearly one. I'm sitting here scratching my head. Who would I take two? I really like Carr. I really like Cooper, um, but you could probably make an argument for a couple guys. I think Hudson's one of the better centers in the league.
1: Yeah, um, I went uh, Mac Carr. You know, you got to give extra points for a quarterback. Sure, and he, he's a you know a promising potential franchise quarterback. So you know I went two, and then I went Cooper three, and then you know and then you have to think a little bit. And I went with the guard from Baltimore yeah and uh at no four, you. yeah, and then I went hudson five i I went and gave Jackson six just scouts I talked to and, and people love this guy They think he's an absolute mauler the coaching staff loves him, and um you know you got two guards in your top six i mean that that's a you know maybe some teams wouldn't want that that's not ideal, but you know their interior offensive line is so stout with those three guys and you know I'm talking about Hudson at center as well No, I think it's loaded and I
0: think the line is, like I said, the second best offensive line behind Dallas's, but their interior offensive line is sick and you're mm-hmm. right, and I probably would have done a very similar list, I mean I could make the argument that Rodney Hudson's a better center than David Carr is, or Derek Carr is a quarterback but, you know, Carr's more important.
1: Right, yeah and I, and I think you got to weigh that in um, you know, some fans ask me why I didn't have Alden Smith on the top 25. Well, he's not on the roster. He's signed, but he, he's not on the roster. He's not going to be eligible to play until November, and it's no sure thing he's going to become eligible. So he'd be a total a total bonus player for him if they get him. They're hoping to get him. They think they're going to get him, but they just don't know at this point. And, you know, he just has some more things to do with the NFL. And if I did put him on this list, I probably would have put him somewhere eight or nine. Um, he's still not, you, know, you know, he was dominant in the 49ers. He wasn't dominant with the Raiders last year, but he has a lot, you know, he was shaking off rust and he's getting getting through some things in his personal life. And he can certainly be a top five player for the Raiders once he gets everything you know, set, settled in his life. But right now, if he was on that list, he'd probably be eight or nine. I had Irvin at number eight, and, and that's right around where I think Allen Smith would have been.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think that's well said. With the possibility of him being two, I mean, if he comes back to the player we saw at his best in the with the 49ers, and it's not like he's an old man or he's fighting injuries or anything. I mean, he's I don't think it's far fetched to say he could become that guy their best two players could be Khalil Mack
1: and Alden Smith that's something isn't it I mean right. yeah, i mean yeah that's they, they, they got they got some things going and and one more greater topic you know i David Emerson signed a new deal last year and as a former scout i mean these are things these stories just don't happen he He was cutting in September i think it was after week two. The Redskins decided this guy is not going to be part of our our rotation. He's 24 years old. We drafted him in the second round a couple years ago. He's just not part of it. We're getting rid of him. Raiders claim him because they're desperate for cornerback help. He goes to Oakland, plays immediately, is a playmaker. They sign him to a deal that he's got $18 million coming to him guaranteed. I mean, that's just a great story that you just don't see waiver claim guys Bounce back that quickly very often.
0: Yeah, and coming out of school, he's a taller corner, long arms, six one, six two, something in that neighborhood. Had a lot of interceptions in college level. Was a pretty well known name coming out of school. Some people thought maybe he'd be a free safety, you know, middle of the field guy, play the ball in the air. He has good ball skills, um, but he's not real fluid. Or he's not real quick twitch or turn and run man kind of corner. And Washington released him and they're pretty bad at corner when they release him. They didn't have Josh Norman at that point. You know, I mean, they were, it was a need position for him. They, they had to be very down on him, but I think he's a very good scheme, scheme fit with this Seattle type defense that I think we'll see more and more of is keep things in front of you. A lot of cover three, break on the ball, be big, come up and tackle. And they get a, They got himself a real find there.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I, I like talking to him. He's kind of a student of the game. He, he talks about receivers and, and, and different styles of guys and, you know, I, he has some interesting thoughts on, you know, how to defense a guy like Ben Roethlisberger before they're going to Pittsburgh. So, you know, you, you want your your cornerbacks to certainly be heady, and I think he's in that category.
0: And he, I don't know if this happened to him or not, but uh, being around these athletes, I mean, sometimes you come to the league and think, hey, I was a second-round pick, I was all ACC all the time, I'll be fine, and then you get a slap in the face and realize, Hey, you know my career can end at any point. I need to dedicate myself more. I don't know if that happened to him or not, but it happened to many athletes where something big and bad happens in your career, and you realize uh, I got to get back to this, put my nose back to the grindstone. And I have no
1: assurances in this game. Yeah, I mean he was inactive like week two, cut on Monday, you know, in Oakland on Wednesday morning. It's if, if you know if that isn't a wake up call, I don't know what is. You know. Yeah, absolutely. And Cal Davis yeah. looking proud. Right, exactly. Oh, he loved those type of deals. Um, you know, hey, we're, we're closing in on you know the last about a week and a half, eight nine days before training camp starting. You know, take us back to your days in Cleveland. What's going on in NFL offices right now? Is it is it mostly just vacation? Is it a ghost town, or is there are guys getting back and making final touches to you know camp plans? What what's going on around the, those 32 offices right now?
0: Yeah, I would say, you know, that this is a time of year where these guys are such football addicts that they're starting to trickle in the office more, you know, that their wife that is so used to them not being home is starting to get sick of them. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. hey, you've been here for a month, so we did our family vacations, and and the guys start to get a little stir-crazy. They start to have, you know, let's go look at some tape. Boy, I got a new idea to you know to, to tweak this reverse or this play call. I'm gonna go in the office for a couple of hours, and they end up staying for eight or nine. Is when they said they're gonna go there for two or three, or I'm to run to the office and get a workout in, and you know, spend a little time there. And they start to miss it, and they start to start chomping at the bit a little bit. And there's also the guys too that. Say hey, I'm going to stay out of that office as long as I possibly can because I got 100-hour weeks ahead of me. So Mm -hmm. uh, I'm confident with what I'm doing. I'm still getting some work done on the side. I'm still thinking football, but I'm going to enjoy this this last week with my family.
1: Right, right.
0: And I mean, it's coming. And once the train starts, it's a
1: long road before you can get off.
0: Oh man, I mean, until after the draft. I mean, that's a long time from now.
1: Yeah. And for those that
0: don't know, there really only is. If you're a scout and especially a coach, there's really only like a three or four week window, and it's right now. It's in July that just mm-hmm. it, your life is not super busy. You know that you actually right. have some downtime that you can take the kids to Disney.
1: Right. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't think the average fan. and I don't know if you know they they, they even care, but you know that, that those assistant linebacker coaches are grinding for a hundred dollars a week, and that's a legitimate hundred hours a week. Oh, it is, you know,
0: and yeah. i got to admit, I mean, I was a scout for the Browns, and there was time, you never wanted to be the first guy to leave the building either. You know, like, there'd be times where I was done with my work, and I'd be looking around, and it was 7 o'clock at night, and, you know, everyone's still in their office. I'm like, I'm not going to be the first guy to leave. I'll go watch something again, or, you know, you know so there, there is sort of the good old boy mentality, too, that, hey, you know, you're the first guy to leave. We need to win. You know, there, there, you know there's some of that thought, too, which I don't think is necessarily healthy. Well, you know,
1: um, Mike Holmgren, Super Bowl winner, he was famous for leaving at 6 or 7 in, at night because he was comfortable in his own skin. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he goes, hey, when he was at Seattle, you know, he was sought after the big deal after Green Bay, you know, making a ton of money. And he says, me and my staff are going to work hard. They're going to put in the necessary hours, but we're just not going to stay just to stay. You know, we're not gonna go. Oh, God, well, we're playing Minnesota this week, and that staff's probably there. You know, at two in the morning, so we better stay to twelve in the morning because they're two hours ahead of us. They didn't play that game. They just got their work, went home, and they're pretty. You know, they made playoffs in Seattle, and it's kind of a healthy way to go. But again, you just have to be comfortable in your own skin to do that because I don't think as many. I don't. I think he was the. Uh, I don't think he was the norm in, in that right. case
0: you hear about Dick Fermiel sleeping in the building and those type of things too and, and you got to wonder i mean how productive are you after working 14 hours that day and everything starts to look the same and you haven't been home for a long time and you're hungry you know and obviously if you're you're Holmgren and you just got hired to be the biggest dog in the building it's a little bit easier to do than if you're the you know the the GA or the you know the inside linebacker coach or you know fresh you know, an early new, new level scouts or something along those lines
1: you're right. going to do it if you're Belichick. Right. And, it, it, and if somebody doesn't like it, they're not going to tell Mike Comber not to do it. You know, it's, that's right. only one guy, and that's uh, Paul Allen, and he's down in, in Portland. So you're, you're golden. You're not going to get ratted out.
0: And it's also good to set the, the tone to the other ones below you that, hey, it's okay to go
1: home. Right, right, exactly. So, you know, let's close out our maiden no-relation NFL podcast with Matt and Bill Williamson with a burning question I've had for five or six days. How did you get such great seats at Guns N' Roses last week?
0: Oh, that was a total fluke, to be honest with you, <laughs> that a buddy of ours, two people, we didn't know if we were going or not, and a couple of his guys that he was going with canceled. So he had three tickets to get rid of, and they were like – a dozen rows back at Heinz Field, and we jumped all over them. You know, we were going to go no matter what. Um, tickets were crazy expensive, but it was worth every penny. They were my favorite bands. Um, I'm not exactly sure how old you are, Bill, but I'm 43. Basically, everyone that I'm in that stadium. way was younger. My, I mean, way Appetite younger. for Destruction came out when I was in seventh grade. I mean, that's just a band that everyone in my era loves, and I'm sure you're right there.
1: Yeah, I, I saw them uh, open up for Aerosmith in like 1988, 87. And then I saw them uh their own tour um, in 88 and 91. It was great.
0: Yeah, I saw it's... them at Three River Stadium, I think it was 92, because I graduated high school in 91. They toured with Metallica, and it poured the whole time. We just got drenched,
1: and it was one of the best shows I ever saw. Yeah, in, in 91, they, Alice. Uh, Axel had a big old meltdown in, in Salt Lake caused a riot I'm in the Bay Area the next show I'm about seven rows back and he looked like he was going to do the same thing a couple of times and it was just so tense and was great and uh, no riot so that was everybody was happy but yeah a great band to see and uh, I, I saw that tweet of yours and I'm like jeez I mean you can smell the whiskey on Slash's breath out of that photo you're that close oh yeah I mean, we were, like, right behind the pit, basically.
0: I mean, it was crazy. And, you know, Axel's put on a few, as, you know, I think we all have. You know, he's not exactly the same guy, but he was still a badass. I mean, it was still pretty cool.
1: Yeah, pretty cool, Matt. Well, great. Hey, Matt, good times. We're going to do this every week. Yep. Starting. Not next week, though. Yeah. First week in uh, August, and uh, we're going to get going, and it's going to be a lot of fun, and appreciate everybody listening. We're done. We're a maiden voyage in the books. I love it, man. I hope everyone spreads the word,
0: and we'll be back in two
1: weeks. Uh, give us some
0: feedback, too. You know, Let us know what you think. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office.